going to uh, talk some about who is the Christ of Christmas. Uh, it's a good, uh, good review for those who have been saved for quite some time. Uh, this will be a good review for you, for those who view who are, who are new to the Lord or maybe new to church. Uh, this is going to help you understand uh, a little bit that, that Jesus is more than just this little baby that was uh, you know, born in a manger. Um, John chapter 1, look at verses 1 through 5. John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And that's referring to the word that we spoke of in verse 1. In him, still the word, was life, and life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Uh, when we think of Christmas, of course, we think of presents, and we think of decorations, and we think of uh, bubbly, giggly little kids uh, waking up at the crack of dawn, rushing downstairs or into the living room, waking mom and dad up at hours they didn't know they even existed, so they could open these presents. It's uh, really almost a very selfish, self-centered time for the kids, always wondering what are they going to get, what do they get for this or that. Uh, but it's not that, that, that giving Christmas presents is necessarily wrong, of course. I mean, you know, we, we've been given the example. God has given us a present in the form of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, uh, you know, there's no gift greater uh, than life through his son. Uh, he gave us the example. He tells us to, to give to one another. Uh, but this gift of Jesus Christ is beyond what we could even imagine or ask for. See, John is the writer of this gospel, and uh, John doesn't say anything about the birth of Jesus. So your question should be, then, why in the world are we in this book and we're so close to Christmas, right? Um, in his book, you'll find uh, no manger. There's, uh, there's no angels, there, there, there's no shepherds, there's no Bethlehem. Uh, John says nothing about the baptism of Jesus, uh, nor does he say anything about the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus gave 39 parables, but not one of them is found in the book of John. However, our text here, verses 1, one through 5, consists of 67 words in the English. John gives us enough truth enough theology about the person of Christ to fill up more books than you could read in a lifetime. It's said that the Gospel of John was written um, at the time on a seventh grade uh, reading level. Uh, it's meaning, what that means is that it was written so that we could understand it. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke or uh, look at the Christmas story, the account through the eyes of man, but but what, 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 what John does through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he looks at Christmas through the eyes of God. So what we see, first of all, number one, is that the Christ of Christmas, this little baby born in a manger, uh, that he is Jesus, the Word of God. Notice how John introduces Jesus as the Word. He says it in verse, verse 1, of course, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But drop down to verse 14. It says, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, 
the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That essentially is Luke chapter 2. Now what exactly does verse 1 teach us here? Well, it teaches us, first of all, that Jesus is eternally God. Right? Uh, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. And the word was doesn't refer to a start. It refers to a state. Jesus existed in an eternal state. Jesus Christ did not begin to exist that first Christmas morning in Bethlehem. He existed before creation. In the beginning, he was already there. In John chapter 1, verse 3, it says, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made. That was made. You can't make something if you don't already exist. When you look back to the book of Genesis, God says in chapter 1, verse 26, Let us make man in our image. Now, who is God talking to when he said, Let us? Well, it's the Father talking to the Word and the Holy Spirit. The, the Word is talking to the Father and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is talking to the Father and the Word. All three exist as one God. Before the cosmos, before anything was created, there was Christ. He is pre-existent. This means he was before creation. He has always existed. This little baby in a manger, he was eternal God in the flesh. In the beginning, again, doesn't mean just from the beginning. It means that Jesus Christ was already there. He didn't become, he was not created, he's never had a beginning, he was in the beginning with God. He was already there when the beginning began. In John chapter 8, verses, uh, verse, verse 58, it says, actually, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, Jesus says, I am. He equated himself with the eternal father. And that's why the very next couple of verses, the, the Jewish leaders try to kill him because they think he has committed blasphemy. What he has actually done was just stated the fact, stated the truth, that he is God. In John 17, verse 5, it says, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, uh, um, with the glory which I had with thee before, it says, before the world was. The word was in the Greek imperfect tense of the word, it's, um, it's most often used in reference to, to deity, to God. It means to be, or it means I am, or I have always been. It means a continuous existence without beginning, without origin. The testimony of John in John chapter 1 is that of Jesus Christ was the word, the one who has always existed. He was, he is the son of the living God. That is this little baby in the manger. The second thing it teaches us is that Jesus is equally God. See, Christ was coexistent. He was and is face to face with the Father forever. The word with has the idea of, of both being with and, and acting toward. So Jesus Christ, the word, was both with God and he was acting with God. 
He was with God. He was by God's side, acting and living and moving in the closest of relationships. Christ had the ideal and perfect relationship with God the Father. Their their life together, their relationship, their their communion, their their fellowship, their, their connection was a perfect bond. This is exactly what is said in John chapter 1 and verse 2. The same was in the beginning with God. This little baby had already spent all of eternity past with the Father. In 1 John chapter 1 verses 1 and 2, it says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. Imagine being able to have lived and touched and held on to Jesus himself. It says, for the life was manifest and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. This is Jesus in the manger. This is God Almighty in the flesh. The testimony of John was that Jesus Christ was the Word, the one who had always coexisted with God. Jesus Christ was, is the Son of the living God. At one moment, he was hungry because he was fully human, 100% man. The next moment, he was miraculously feeding 5,000 men plus the women and children because he was fully God. One moment Jesus agonizes on a cross and he dies because he was fully human. Three days later he rose from the grave because he was fully God. That's why Jesus has the distinction of being history's only, we could say 200% being. 100% human, 100% God. By this we see that John introduces Jesus as the word. And the third thing that it teaches us is that Jesus is essentially God. John didn't say that the, that the word was, was the God. But he says that the word was God. The word God. It omits the definite article. So, so, so John's saying the word Jesus Christ He's not a God. He's not one of a pantheon of gods. He is very God himself. He is of the very nature and character of the Father, but he is not identical to the Father. He is a distinct person from God the Father, but he is of the very being and essence and perfection of God the Father. So when a man sees Christ, when somebody sees Jesus, he sees a distinct person. But he sees a person who is of the very substance and character of God in all of his perfection. This is that little baby in a manger. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 It says, who being in the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. In John chapter 14 and verse 9, Jesus saith unto him, have I been so long with you and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? See, Philip had asked to see the father. Jesus is answering Philip, 
come on, it's been almost three years now. He finishes that and says, He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? He says, Philip, come on, man. I've been with you from the beginning, from the start of my earthly ministry, Philip. Don't you get it yet? That to see me is to see the Father, Jesus says. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. That's Jesus. Justified in the spirit. Seen of angels. Preached unto the Gentiles. That's us. Believed on in the world. Received up into glory. See, the testimony of John was that Jesus Christ was or is the word. That, 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 that self-existent, uh, eternal Uh, supreme majesty of the universe who owes his existence to no one or nothing. Jesus Christ is the son of the living God. He that has seen me, remember he says, has seen the father. I and my father are one, he has said. So the Christ of Christmas, it is Jesus The word, he is eternally and equally and essentially God. That's this little baby in a manger. The second thing we see, the Christ of Christmas is Jesus, the word, and also, look at verse 3, the worker. says, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus has been busy up in heaven. He's been busy down here on earth. He was busy before anything existed. We see that he created everything. John chapter 1 verse 3, all things were made by him. This world is uh, too much of a marvel to have just evolved. Evolutionists, they, they confuse me. They say that they can't believe in an eternal God, but they have no trouble believing that nothing plus nothing results in something. They believe that if you throw enough time at something, that anything is possible. But it, the, 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 the chances, the math doesn't add up because it gets to a point where it is absurd to believe that nothing with enough time comes complexity. All God has to do is not throw time at something. All God had to do is throw his voice. God spoke things into existence. Christ is the creator. Now note several things here. It says all things. Now that's talking about every single detail of creation. Not creation as a whole, but every single detail So it includes creation as a whole, but it speaks specifically of each element and thing, each being and person, whether they are material or angelic or human. Uh, It has come into being by Christ. It says all things and all things uh, that make up those things and all the things that make up those things that make up the bigger things. Colossians chapter 1 verse 16 says, For by him, speaking of Christ, were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible, invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, principalities, powers, all things were created by him and for him. Now, 
that means that this planet does not exist for you. Okay, you've, you've seen it on Facebook. I love it. When I see it, I share it again, okay? It has a picture of, of a galaxy, you know, and the stars and all that. And it says something to the effect that when scientists finally discover the center of the universe, there's going to be a lot of disappointed people when they find out it's not them. Okay? This world, everything that exists, it exists for Jesus, not for you. You get to benefit from it. But it's not for you, it's for him. It's all about him, it's not about you. You're not that important. Creation isn't for you. Creation is for Jesus. It's created by him, for him. And the words that says were made gives a meaning that they came into being, meaning they came into being out of, out of nothing. Now, note what's being said here. Nothing was existing. No substance, no matter whatsoever. Matter is not eternal. God did not take something outside of himself and create the world. Christ, the word, took nothing but his will, nothing but his power, and he spoke the word, and he created every single thing out of nothing. That is how powerful this little baby in a manger is. See, the scientists have made matter, okay, they, if, you know, that E equals MC squared, that equation works forward and backward, okay? Uh, if you can work the equation backward, if you can put enough energy into something, you can create matter. And, and the scientists have done this, but it, 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 it took the amount of electricity that, that a country would use for an entire year to make a couple of subatomic particles that didn't last but a second or two. Jesus spoke. Voila. That's who the Christ of Christmas is. 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6. But to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom, all thing, by whom are all things, and we by him. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2 says, God hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Now note two statements of fact here. The positive side of this is that all things were made by, by him. And the absolute statement of fact, without him was not anything made that was made, meaning that Christ was actively involved in the creation of every single thing because without him there wasn't anything made that was made. And the words not anything mean not even one thing, not one single thing was made without this little baby in a manger, not even one subatomic particle, nothing, Jesus. Jesus Christ created it all. And that means that Jesus then necessarily controls everything. I've read to you Colossians chapter 1 verse 16. We're going to move on to verse 17. After he's created the dominions and principalities and powers, all things were created by him and for him in verse 17. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. The word consist means to hold together. 
It, 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 Jesus is holding everything. Things should not hold together right now. And this drives the, the, the quantum physicists nuts because things should not hold together, but they do. Things should fly apart, but they don't. Something, someone, is holding everything together. They can't admit that it's Jesus, so they keep on looking and they keep on looking. And, 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 but, but if you believe Jesus holds it all together, you are, at least on this point, you're smarter than the scientists are, right? See, John tells us that Jesus is the word. That Jesus is the worker behind all of creation. And then he tells us that the world is God's. He made it, every element of it, one by one. And this means several things. First, it means that God is not off in some distant place. He is not far removed from the world. He's he's not out there unconcerned and disinterested in what happens to the world. God cares about the world. He cares deeply, even about the most minute detail of what we would call the smallest, most insignificant person. He cares about everything and every person in the world. He cannot not care about you. The second thing this means, that the problems of the world are not due to God and his attitude. The problems of the world are due to sin and the sinful attitude of every evil human's heart. We always want to blame God, but it's not God's fault. It is our fault. It is our sin that is doing what is happening to this world right now. It is our own sin, and we must take responsibility for that. Thirdly, it means that the answer to the world's problems is not us. It's not Man, it's not our technical skill, it's not our technology, it's not our wisdom, but the answer is Christ. For men to turn to Christ, surrendering, giving their lives to know Christ, uh, to get to know him personally and intimately, that is the answer to sin. That is the answer to the world's problems, and it is the only answer to the world's problems. Jesus is the word, the very expression of God. Jesus Christ is the worker. He was active. He is active. He will always be active. And the third thing we see, John chapter 1, verse 4, is that Jesus is the way. Verse 4 says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. It's a very simple statement. In him, in Christ, was life. Now, now what does that mean? Okay, Christ is life. Uh, I need to package this so you can actually take it home with you okay what does that mean life is the quality and the essence the energy and the power the force and the principle of being that cleared it up quite a bit didn't it okay means that jesus is the very essence of life Jesus is what gives life life. It's the energy of life. He's he's the power of life, the force of life. If there is life, it is because of Jesus. 
He is the principle of life. He is the quality of life. See, Jesus came to give us life and to give it more abundantly. So it's not just living day to day, but it's living today with purpose, with a mind on eternity, realizing that we will last forever. We will live forever. It's either going to be in heaven or hell. But God has placed eternity in our hearts. We know in the back of our heads that if things went differently, we really could live forever. That's not there by accident. God put that in us. We know that there's more to life than life. It's Jesus Christ is what it is. See, without Christ, there would be no life. The reason that anything is alive, whether it's an animal, trees, us, It's because of him. Life is in him. Within him is being itself. And all things exist. They have their life because Jesus is alive. See, life life is purpose. Life is is meaning. Um, Life is is significance of being. Okay, That, that we're not... We're not just animals. There's a reason that we exist. There's a reason that we have an intellect. We're not just evolved animals. No, we are, we are more than that. God breathed into us the breath of life. We became eternal then. See, animals have spirits, but they're not eternal spirits. God did not breathe into them the breath of life. They do not have eternal lives But we do. This means that the very purpose of life is Christ. The very meaning of life. Your life has no significant eternal meaning without Jesus Christ. He is what gives your life significance. He is what makes your life matter for something besides itself. And there's no life, there's no purpose, there's no meaning, there's no significance unless you have that life who is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, is he's, he's the source of life, the source of physical life and the source of spiritual life. So if you ever hope to go to heaven, if you ever hope to have your sins forgiven, you must be spiritually resurrected. Right now, if you're not in Christ, you haven't trusted Christ to save you, you are spiritually dead. You will not see heaven because you do not have the life who is Christ. If you ever hope to, you must come to Christ, repent of your sins, ask him to save you. He will save you and he'll give you life. And it'll be abundant life and it'll be eternal life and it'll be a life in the presence of himself and the Father and the Holy Spirit for all eternity. Because he is the very substance, the being, and the energy of spiritual life. See, Jesus can bring, Jesus can bring life from the dead. I mean, he's the source of light, and, and light and life are used synonymous, synonymously in Scripture uh, quite often. 
the life was the light of men, it says. From the very beginning, man was to know that life. That was the original intent. That is, man was to know God personally, to know God intimately. That's, that was God's plan from the beginning. The knowledge of the life of Christ was to be the light of men. And this life, Christ, was to be the light of man's purpose. He's to give you purpose, to give you meaning, and to make your life matter. See, we were created for more than just getting up, going to work, paying the bills, coming home and going to bed, and doing the same thing the next day over and over and over. There's more that Jesus wants for us than just that. John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus says, I am come that you might have life. And this is where it says, and that they may have it more abundantly. In John eleven twenty five, Jesus is speaking. Jesus says, I, Jesus said unto her, I am, he says, the resurrection and the life. And, um, and he that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Just as Lazarus was raised physically from the dead when Jesus spoke, when Jesus speaks life into you spiritually, you go from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. In John seventeen three, it says, And this is life eternal, that they, may, they, they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. See, Jesus came to bring life to the dead. He came to bring you life. Life that matters, life that has meaning, life that lasts. And then Jesus came to bring light to the dark. Jesus is the answer to darkness. Now, what, what causes darkness? You can't make dark. All you can do is take away light. Right? light, light you, you can't make cold. All you do is take away heat, and what's left is cold. You take away light, what's, what's left is, is darkness. It's the absence of light. Spiritually, the absence of light is sin. Jesus brought life and he brought light into the world. Man brought death and darkness and sin into the world. Jesus, again, brought life and light. And light pushes that darkness back. In John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, Then spake Jesus unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. It's, 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 it's. If you are in darkness, you are in sin. When Jesus comes, you see, all that has to happen for darkness to be pushed back is for light to be present. That's all it takes. In chapter 12, verse 46 of John, Jesus says, I am come a light unto the world, that whosoever believeth in me should not abide in darkness should not abide in sin, should not abide in death. Because if you have Jesus Christ, you have life. If you have Jesus Christ, you are living in the light. That's this little baby in a manger. I like this stuff. This is my Jesus. This little baby, he didn't stay a baby. 
this little baby, this embryo implanted into Mary's womb, specially created by God to be completely human, but sinless, he didn't stay a baby. He lived a sinless life, and he died a substitutionary death. That is the Christ of Christmas. So let me ask you a few questions. Are you walking in life and light? Or are you walking in death and darkness? See, without Christ, your, your life may, you may be spiritually alive. I mean, nobody here looks physically dead. Some of y'all look a little tired but not dead. But if you don't have Christ, you are spiritually dead. And the only thing a dead person can do is fill. That's it. You need the light of Christ to shine in your soul. You need the life of Christ living in your soul. You can have the life, you can have the light today, but you must come to Christ and give yourself to him. Repent of your sins and take him for yourself. Ask him to save you, not in your sins, but ask him to save you from your sins, and he will. He promises That if you come to him repentant, turn from your sins and turn to Christ, he will save you. Who is the Christ of Christmas? Who is this little baby that, 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 that sits in the nativity scenes around town? He is Jesus the Word, eternally, equally, and essentially God. He is Jesus, the worker. He created all things. He controls everything. And he is Jesus, the way. Means he came to bring life to the dead. He came to bring light to the darkness. See, the birth of this babe in the manger, it's it's the carrying out of God's plan to save from their sins all who would call upon Jesus to be saved. And this plan for you to be saved from your sins it began before the beginning or it was ordained that God would be made flesh and that he would live among us that he would he would be our representative the Christ child cannot save you this baby in a manger cannot save you But without this Christ child, without the baby in the manger, there would, of course, be no no one to grow up to be the God-man, no Savior to hang on the cross, no Lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. So who is the Christ of Christmas? He is your only hope of salvation. He is your only opportunity to have sins forgiven. He is the only chance you have to escape hell. That is the Christ of Christmas. Stand with your heads bowed, please, and eyes closed. Now, Father, we want to thank you for, oh, Lord, it sounds kind of, kind of empty, 
to thank you for your wisdom and your all all powerful all seeing mind that that from before there was anything you saw that that we would need to be saved from our sins and that you started the plan in action before before Genesis 1:1 and 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 you by your holy spirit facilitated our conviction of our sins and drawing us in and you worked in us until Christ was formed in us Lord we cannot comprehend your wisdom and your love in orchestrating all of that for us and Father, for those of us who know Jesus as Savior, oh, a thank you seems so empty. A thank you seems so small. That this little baby in a manger would grow up to be our Savior. But Father, we want to say thank you for that sacrifice. And Father, we'd be remiss if we left out those in our presence that that have not trusted Christ, that don't know Jesus as Savior, that have never repented of their sins and turned to, 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 to Christ by faith and asked him to save them. And Lord, we do lift them up to you. Father, I pray that this little baby in a manger is not the only Jesus they ever know. I pray that your Holy Spirit would convict them, would draw them to yourself, And I pray, Father, just like you worked in in the rest of us, that you would work in them until Christ be formed in them. That this Christmas would be different from all the other Christmases in that they will know, they will know Jesus and they will know you. So, Father, I pray that, that, that you would work to draw them. Lord, you've demonstrated your love for them already. You've already demonstrated your willingness to forgive them of their rebellion against you, of their, of their, of their sin against you. So I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would, would... I pray that he would draw them and save them, Lord. I pray that you would not allow them to rest until they can stand before you clean by the blood of Christ. And Father, help us not to let this Christmas season go by and forget that this little baby in a manger is very God himself. Lord, just help us remember who he is. Our Savior, our Lord God Almighty. Our friend and our co-heir. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Take your songbooks, number 83. one verse. Let's sing verse 1 and verse 4 of number 83. Hark the herald angels sing.